Hey, this is Dave with Rough Notes Magazine. We're all about helping agents and brokers thrive, and we're impressed with what you're doing. Can we feature you and your team on our front cover? Jim, really, tell me the feeling you had when you first heard that your agency was going to be on the front cover of Rough Notes Magazine. I literally said, you're kidding, right? Because I don't like, are you serious? <laughs> that was your reply, it, huh? That was my reply. David was like, no, nah, man, I just, he's, yeah, he's like, I just like to call people and joke with them and tell them that they're going to be on the front cover. He's like, of course you're going to be on the front cover. <laughs> like, oh my God, I can't believe it. <laughs> I, you know, I, I can only imagine and I can't, right? It's like having kids, I imagine. It means that much not to have kids to be on the front cover, but to be <laughs> on the front cover of Rough Notes is a really, really something you just don't expect, but when it happens, you feel honored, right? Absolutely, man. I mean, I think I, I, you know, afterwards I looked up, I was like so excited about it and I was like, okay, how many independent agents are there in the US? I think there's like 40,000 or something like that. Maybe it's, I, I don't remember what, it was a large number. It's about that, like, yep. And I was like, dude, there's literally only been a few hundred to this point, since they started back in the late 80s, I was like, this is mind boggling. I can't believe it. Correct. So, correct. And so yeah. I was doing some rough math and I don't have it in front of me. I was doing it the other day and trying to yeah. say, okay, if we've been around for 24 years doing that, yeah. and then you take that times 12, you can get up there to where there's a lot, but there's not yeah. a whole lot. It's almost yeah. like the little hall of fame, right? It's that, yeah. it's that the people that you've been compared to over the year to get that, that notice is incredible and good for you, Jim. Really, really Thanks, great. Man. Yeah. You know, totally, totally about, honored. I want to talk about the time that you're at Johnny. Um, if I'm correct, I want to make sure that I say that correct. Was it your father? He's telling you that he's correct. He's telling you that he's left his job and they are going to, and he's going to create this. How old are you at that time? Yeah. So I was in middle school, like 12, 13, something like that. He took me and my mom, I'm an only child. He took me and my mom to Johnny Rockets in Sandy Springs uh, here in Metro Atlanta. And I mean, we sat down, I put my little nickel in the jukebox. I was so excited. Like I grew up listening to my parents' music probably like a lot of our kids do to listen to our music because mm -hmm. we listen to it all the time. I was so excited, carefree. We order our food and he's like, hey guys, guess what? I just quit my job. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> it's like, I think the first thing I said was actually, do I still get to go to my same school? <laughs> he was like, don't worry. Nothing's changing. Everything's good. I've been thinking about this for a little bit and um, you know, we're going to make it happen. So I was like, Okay. I went back to eating. <laughs> wow. And so, I mean, and so mom obviously knew, yeah. right? I mean, and yeah. so this had been something, how long had they had been planning this? So he was working uh, for what was, it was called Karoon and Black. It was like a regional broker and they got bought by Willis, you know, and, and it was obviously based out of the UK at that point. And they were, you know, he was having to re report back to London every week and He's just like, man, I, this is not really what I signed up for. You know, oftentimes that happens with acquisitions and they had taught him how to do acquisitions of independent agencies. And he was like, you know, I think I can, I think I can figure that out on my own. And so he had been writing a plan. He wasn't like mm -hmm. 
planning and ready, but he was ready enough so that when he, you know, walked in and said to his boss, like, I'm done, he was ready to go the next day. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty gutsy. Incredible story. I was amazed by that right off the bat because that just shows the the faith that you learned from your father, right? Being strong, being convicted. But I think there's something more you learned that I think has helped you grow the agency. Um, and it was about planning, right? He kind of knew, hey, this is what we're going to do. Even though I had been taught, this is, I think, the plan that's going to lay out. And and that's 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 a scary thing for you and for the family. But wow, that's such a powerful thing 5, 10, 15 years later when it's coming to fruition. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you what, so he said it over and over and over and over, drilled it in me, plan your work and work your plan. It's very simple, like plan out what you want to do and then execute it. It seems simple, but I mean, I remember he literally had a map of Metro Atlanta and in our basement and he put a thumbtack in a place called Douglasville, Georgia, because that was where the first acquisition that he made, Douglasville, Mableton, that area west of Atlanta. And then he put all these other pins where we he hadn't bought an agency yet, but he was just sort of strategically planning, you know, if this is going to be the service center here on the west side where all of our wow. account managers are going to be, where do I want the profit centers to be? And I, I, you know, of course, being that age, like I just thought it was cool that he had a map and he was planning, he was putting things in there. But now looking back on it, and I've been in the agency now, this is my 23rd year. And and looking at that and saying, wow, okay, that was actually genius because there was nobody doing that at the time, at least not here in Metro Atlanta. Wow. I guarantee you across America. Yeah. And I guarantee you those who were probably end up around the size that you guys are. Uh, what is your size there in uh, premium? Yeah. So we're probably around 40, uh, 45,000. So uh, we've got about 40 employees um, and I would say 45, 45 million, sorry. not 45,000. So sorry, 45 million. <laughs> yeah, everybody gets a dollar. <laughs> yeah, man. Our growth plan is not working yes. ever since dad left. Not, I'm doing that right not now. Not quite working. <laughs> no, um, no. So yeah, we're a, a decent enough size where, you know, somebody the other day, I actually, I think it was one of my kids are like, Dad, is it stressful? And it's like, well, it was really stressful for my dad, your grandfather, because he built the thing from the ground up. For mm-hmm. me, the stress comes from the responsibility of knowing that I, it's not that I have 40 employees, I have 40 families that depend on me. And that, that, mm-hmm. that puts an exclamation mm-hmm. point on, on things when you realize mm-hmm. It's got to be more than just a check that we're giving people, right? It's got to be more than just a mm-hmm. job that we're offering. It's got to be something that's providing them their their livelihood, their lifestyle. And and for me personally, I like developing people. So being able to go beyond mm-hmm. just, hey, come on in, clock in, get to work, right? I, I mm-hmm. genuinely love developing people. I, and you know, they say that that's a sign of a leader, right? That's actually what they say the number one leadership job is. De- depends on who you're talking to. Yeah. But I mean, is a, a job of a leader is develop other leaders, right? Right. Now, let me ask you that. Let's dig, let's, let's, let's stop right there and let's click on this. So how would you say you, what is your favorite way that you can help develop leaders? Is there any specific person you're going after, you're looking for, and what's that plan? Yeah. 
you know, it's funny. We literally, my son is going to start an internship with us on Thursday and his role is going to be talent acquisition. <laughs> so it's very timely that you're really? asking me this. Yeah. Well, because I mean, what are we all right now as independent agents? What is one of the biggest things that we're all struggling with? You ask anybody, they say it's finding people, right? That's right. And we realize that to a point, we've been guilty of just filling roles, which is what recruiting is. Talent acquisition is something else. That's like alluding to what you're talking about. It's looking out beyond just the roles that I have to fill now to who am I going to need six months from now, two years from now? Yes. Like what roles? Yes. And for me, the way that we've been able to, to figure out what that is, um, we use something and we talk about this in, in the Rough Notes article, but we took the model of uh, EOS, the Entrepreneur Operating System, which we mm -hmm. learned about from the book Traction by Gino Wickman. And one of the things in there that I don't think I talked about this in the article, but one of the things in there is the, um, the accountability chart, which is different from an organization chart because accountability, you don't have the names necessarily. You can build it out with the structure first. Right, just like you're building a house, you got to have the right pieces to hold up all the other stuff that you're going to build around it, and you have to know mm -hmm. what that is six months from now, two years from now, right? And so, um, we're to answer your question, when we're looking to develop people, we're looking for people that fit our core values. That is the number one thing, the five core values that we uncovered as uh, part of a process that was also. Uh, from the book Traction. I love it. Basically, essentially what I heard there is something I've been, uh, I think a lot of this has been something that's come out in the last couple um, years is the what versus who. Yeah. And that's what I heard there, right? So it's like, what role do we have to fill yeah. that? Or basically who can fill that role or who is going to be somebody that is going to be needed to fill maybe a role that's not even here right now. Yeah. And that's what I'm hearing from you. And that's so fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. So fantastic, yeah. Jim. Yeah. So, so something that people didn't know about you, you did an, in, an internship at MIT. <laughs> Is that right? I did. Yeah. It was pretty funny. So, so I started out studying secondary education in English. So I was doing my student teaching in a, a couple of different high schools around Boston because I went to Boston College. And um, I did my fifth year master's program. So in my senior year, I was crazy enough to start that program. So I take my bachelor course, you know, uh, during the day and then my master's courses at night and I was exhausted for like two years. But, um, but in, yeah, in my internship, I worked at MIT and my role, uh, was basically in the student development office. So the, the day that I arrived at, at my job, first day, my boss said, your job is to get these kids away from their computer screens. <laughs> We're at MIT. <laughs> like that's going to be a challenge. I was like, "Oh my gosh. Wow. The most successful event I planned was a quiz show night in in the student center. Like it had like big spiral staircase and you could kind of like have, you know, people on different levels. People were crowded around and they had the we we hired somebody to come in and like run the quiz. We wow. had the most students there. They were nerding out on quizzes, man. But it's it's knowing the types of people, kind of back to what you're talking about. It's knowing the types of people 
that you need to attract either for a job or the types of people, what's going to make them tick? And, and that's how we developed mm-hmm. our core values is literally asking the question of our senior leadership team a couple of years ago, like, hey, if we could clone anyone or a, a few people in our agency, who would it be? And we're like, oh, this person, Ooh, that cool person, question. that person. Okay, well, what makes them tick? And after going through like, you know, an exercise where we on a whiteboard just write down like a hundred different words and phrases, we narrowed it down to the five things that we really felt like were the things that made people tick in our agency. And the cool thing about that exercise is that those five core values, we didn't just choose them from a menu like, oh, I'd like, you know, uh, mac and cheese and mashed potatoes. It's like we literally uncovered core values of the people that were already in our agency. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. I think that's really cool. Who would we clone <laughs> and why would we clone that person? Yeah. Wow. You, cause it never really, you never co- correlate two together. If you just came up to somebody and said, Hey, what's so great about that person? Yeah. They may be like, ah, shit. Oh, well, they're nice. But I think if you, if you really bring it into that scenario, I love that joke. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to steal that. I'm going to absolutely steal that. I love Go for that. It. So dad takes off in 2016, yeah. right? He, he finally reaches the year that he never thought that he'd re- reach, just like we all do. Yeah. And now you take over and you're still the sole owner, but I think it's time that we give props where props is probably due with John, right? Oh, yeah. Tell us about John. Yeah. So, John and I have actually known each other since we were three years old. We were in preschool together and, uh, and then we went through elementary and high school. Wow. Never did I ever think that we would end up working together. He and I are very different people, like the best of friends, but very different people. And yes. he was on leave from his time serving in Iraq in uh, the early 2000s. And at that time, my dad was still there and, and said, hey, John, why don't you come you know, to one of our producer meetings that we have once a month and just check it out? Because John was trying to figure out, do I go into trucking logistics? or something? He was working on tanks in the military. So uh, he did logistics. And so he came and, and, and he heard, and I think just kind of like me, he, he got hooked from the beginning. And that's something you can read about in the article, but I, I got hooked from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I almost didn't go through that uh, down this path. But because of John's logistical mind and being able to see far out and put all the different pieces that need to be in the puzzle and, and, and in the right places at the right time, he is, I could not imagine having a better operations manager. He's also, he also happens to be the, the has, he has the largest book in our agency as well. Um, yeah, I don't know where I'd be without him. I mean, you got a COO that is out of the military. Literally I mean, in operations. About, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, wow, it doesn't get much better. I know. And, and the other thing is, is that I, I really love, I feel you, man. There is a special thing that Travis and I, my business partner, have. Yeah. We are so opposites. It is ridiculous. Yeah. And you've met Travis before. Yep. I mean, it is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, even is the point where he's low energy and I'm high energy. But like as the day goes, and especially if we drink some uh, alcoholic beverages, <laughs> I become the one who's mellow and he becomes. It's like everything <laughs> in our life. Yeah. You know, it's so great. But it makes for that, right? Yeah. And, you know what I think, Jim, tell me if I'm wrong here. It's not that it makes the good times good. It's that it makes the bad times easier. 
Travis Amen. and I have a very good understanding of each other. And if he's strong-minded about something, I really listen, yeah. right? Because I'm like, whoa, this is probably one of my weaknesses. Yeah. And I think it's the same thing. You guys find that, you and John? Absolutely. And, and beyond that, one thing that I love that he does is because he's such a good friend, what do good friends do? They tell you when you have spinach in your teeth. They tell you when your fly is down. They tell That's you right. when That's you right. don't want to hear those things, but they're doing it because they That's love right. you and they want to see you improve. I think if you can find someone mm -hmm. in your organization uh, or, or if you need to bring somebody from outside to be that person for you as a leader of an agency or whatever you're doing, right? There's a, there's a separate book by the guy who wrote Traction uh, called rocket fuel, which is literally about the visionary and the integrator. John integrates all the parts of the of the of the agency together. I'm the guy who's responsible for, you know, coming up with 20 ideas a day, maybe one of them's good. But John's gonna tell me those 19 <laughs> suck and that one is that's the one you want to go for. So correct. And see I think a lot of times we we get Jim really goes and hires Jim. Right. And then yeah. Jim's coming up with 20 ideas and he's coming up with 20 yeah. ideas and yeah. there ain't nothing sticking. Absolutely. And the team's like, what in the heck is going on? One day we're doing this at 10 in the morning, we get an email from him. That is, that is the key. Yeah. Really, it's almost like it's almost like some of the people that would drive you nuts are actually some of the people that would be your strength. And I think it just makes everything complete. It's the yin and the yang. So yeah, I really get that, man. Yeah, and I'll just say real quick, I, it reminds me of, and I know in the article too, I talk about some of the other cover agents who really inspired me and taught me a lot. Grant Botma is one of those people. And, and Grant, you know, through his book, um, Work-Life Harmony, not balance, but harmony, it makes me think of like, John and I, the way we work, it's so harmonious because we are so different. We have, like you said, yeah, that yin and that yang. It's like we, we've, we've got that harmony that we need to make things shoot off like a rocket. I'm very, very lucky. You know, I want to turn the attention here into where we are talking about your growth and your future growth. Yeah. Dad left, you disconnected, you and John got together. You know, just as a little side thing, I, I always think this. Whenever I see an agency out there and they're bragging about the fact that they grew, you know, 50, 60, 70%, that shows me usually the size of their book, yeah, right? Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. I'm not, I was there at one time too, and sure. I was bragging. And it was real funny because I didn't know. Yeah. So I'm over out here bragging that I'm growing 50%, and people were probably thinking the same yeah. thing, but God love them. They knew that we were doing what we're supposed to. Yeah. That's impossible when you're at the revenue size you are. Yeah. And it's, I mean, 30, 40%. If you could, then everybody would try to figure out what the hell you're doing. Yeah, right? right. And so how do you manage that? What is the growth rate that you're looking at? What are the conversations that you and John and your team have as acceptable um, as what you could consider at the end of year success, Jim? Yeah, I mean, for us, we would love to double in size in the next few years. Um, and, and oh, wow. you know, but that may, that may be five years, that may be 10 years to, to be quite honest at, understand, at, understand. At, our, yeah. at our size, I think, a a respectable growth rate for us with our size would be 10 to 15%. If we can make that happen okay. year over year, then, then we're, we're doing okay. But when it comes to planning, we're also thinking about like, how many more people can we serve? So, mm. you know, right now we're. And I think we talked about this in the article. I think we've got about 6,000 clients between commercial and personal. And we'd love for that to be 12,000 10 years from now. 
So I think 10 mm -hmm. years, plenty of time to make that happen, especially with right now, we're going to start to focus a lot more on bringing in other revenue sources. So other agents, if that happens to be acquisition, because it's a little bit different for us than it may be for some. In the first, we're 32 years old as an agency this year, I think. In the first 15 years of our life, it was almost all acquisition because that's what my dad knew. That's how he yeah. knew how to grow it. And he taught me some of that. And I know I could do an acquisition. I, I, I had the opportunity to do a couple before he left. But really, even before he left, we started focusing more on organic growth. We get far more, and I'm sure this is similar to a lot of agencies, we get far more growth out of existing client relationships than we do having people sit there and smile and dial for dollars, right? Um, we want those people mm -hmm. to come in and, and supplement that for us. But at some point, we also know that they're not going to have to do that forever because the reason that I got into this industry in the first place and didn't end up in, you know, teaching high school, having kids hopefully staying on top of their desk, chanting, oh, captain, my captain, that never worked out for me. And then going to, <laughs> if, if you're old enough, you'll, rec <laughs> you'll, you'll understand the reference. Um, and then almost going to work in a university, the, literally the night before my graduation, dad was like, you don't look happy about what you're going to do. I was like, nah, I don't know if I had a job opportunity to run the student center at Dartmouth. Well, that's pretty cool. But I didn't know if I wanted to be in the middle of uh, New Hampshire in the dead of winter for the rest of my life. So he talked to me about how my why originally for getting into education was because of relationships, people, developing people. Mm -hmm. And he took the time mm -hmm. to explain to me that that's what this industry is about. So when I think about growth, I almost don't even think about mm. numbers so much as focusing on mm. how many more people so can we serve and, and in what ways can we make that happen organically? Because if we can figure that out, the numbers will figure themselves out. It's true, true. And then when the numbers figure themselves out, how much staff and how many homes you'll be responsible for, that grows. Yes, sir. <laughs> really, really love that. Really, really love that. And also, one of the forces that I think, I think there's a little bit of a change that has to come in the way that people also are thinking about not only how you said, how many more people can I serve, but I also think it, it has to do with, well, that's kind of hard to explain. I mean, it, it has to do with, I, I think it just has to do with internally as well. Yeah. And so how many more people can we serve? But there's different types of labor that's out there needed, right? Sure. And we have, we have a licensed, we have unlicensed, we have um, agency, we have artificial intelligence, we have RPA, which is robotic processing automation. Yep. I think we're starting to see that like there's, we have a lot of tools in the bag yeah. that don't allow us to, that allow us now actually to be able to say, what does it cost to do something differently? What does it cost? How can we grow? Meaning, how can we serve more people, but internally just become more efficient, which I think will be very, be happy, which will help our productivity. So I think that, that that's very important. Absolutely. And we've been focused a lot on that recently, uh, especially working with uh, different mm -hmm. VAs and, and starting to explore some of the more robotic processes. Um, Chris Pierdiso, I've heard him say this several times. 
don't when you're thinking about what you're going to outsource, what you're going to get more if where you're going to gain more efficiency in your agency, only outsource or automate the things that don't add value to the client nice. relationship. Because those are the things that you don't want your people focused on. You're paying your people, like your W-2 people, the people that you're supporting their families, their livelihoods, let them use their God-given talents. Don't make them do all the stuff that someone else can do that doesn't require a lot of thought, that doesn't require a lot of uh, creativity and relationship building. Those people, the people that work for you, should be your relationship ambassadors in whatever their role is, whether they're the receptionist, which we call our uh, VP of first impressions, or whether they're, you know, uh, a processor or, you know, account manager, producer, whoever they are, whatever they're doing. I love that. I want to wrap up here with uh, something that I would like to do my best to try to keep this uh, focus for a lot of these podcasts out there, you rough notes listeners. Oh, and the fact that I want to talk about something that I, I want to close with this and I want to get your opinion. I want to find, Jim, um, out this in your thoughts and then get a little closing out of you. And the fact that I think, and I think we can really help, the point of this part here, Jim, is to really help the Rough Notes listeners. If they're a young Rough Note listener, we want them to understand the reason why they're maybe going through some of the challenges and the ups and downs that they are. If they are a more veteran agent and maybe they're trying to find that younger person, I want to be able to try to help them by this is something that I tell my producers and, and my staff, and this is something that I want us to know. Um, so I, what I want out of you, Jim, is I want you to try to think, is there any other of these truths that maybe I'm missing? Okay. So we're going to talk, I'm going to mention real quick, the five truths of insurance. I teach this to all my young okay. guys and gals. Okay. We always go through this. It's one of our things. And we, we talk about it all the time. And I believe that there's five reasons why we do what we do in this industry that benefit actually us and other people. The first two really benefit us, which is number one, flexible schedule. I tell my young, especially my young mm -hmm. people that don't have kids, I say, you'll never understand that the amount of money that you're actually making on the fact that you'll never have to miss one of your kids' games. You're never going to unless you want to. There's no amount of money that you can put yeah. on that. That gives that. The second thing is financial yeah. freedom. You're yep. going to be able, if you work hard and you do what you're supposed to, you're going to make more money than anybody around you. And you're probably, if you do it well, you're eventually going to work less, right? And that that is something that is really, really yeah. important. And they don't understand that. And that's about them too. The next one is a community builder. I believe that if you do insurance right and you get the other two, it allows you to have the time to be able to invest in the community. And whether that's charities, whether that's coaching, whether that's finding uh, young boys and girls and trying to help them become leaders, whether that's finding people who have substance abuse or mental health, it's being able to come through and help those people and what your strength really is. It allows you to do that. It's very, very hard working an eight to five job and to be able to come home to your family every day and have time to do some of these other things. Number four is an empire builder. You get to be in the opportunity. Everybody in my team understands that we're building an empire, whether it's personal lines, commercial lines, claims, VEs, whatever it is, they're in charge of that part. And they yeah. all know their part and we can't build an empire without it. And, and I love to do that. And the reason I say empire, people have asked me before, why do you use empire? It doesn't matter what the name is you use. The point is, is if you name it something, 
it allows them to take control of it. That's what I have found to be true. And I want my people yeah. to take control, just like John yeah. has in your agency, Jim. I mean, the dude took control of it as yeah. ownership. And there's nothing more powerful, especially when yep. he's your boy, he's your he's your partner, you know? And then the fifth <laughs> thing is mentorship. Yeah. You do it all right, people are gonna wanna know how you did it. And if you do it all right and you get the feeling yeah. that you did, I tell people all the time that this business has taken me places I've never I'd never thought I'd go, met people I never thought I'd meet and has given my family the life that I never thought that I could give them. Mentorship has allowed me to yeah. be able to do that. And I think that that is fantastic because I say this a lot, Jim, and I wanna get your thought here on the truth, maybe that I'm missing or get some of your feedback on this. The feeling that I have because of those three things, went places, met people, give my family the life that never have. I have a feeling that I want somebody to have 60 years from now when they buy my agency, right? That's that To me, that's legacy. Mm. I want somebody to to be able to have yeah. that same feeling because if they do, it's a wonderful feeling. And I think that I'm giving that and out there. So those are those five truths out there. Now, I have a whole nother article on this where I talk about five lies that we believe, but I want to keep this positive and I want to talk about those five truths. Yeah. What do you think about that, Jim? Well, I love the I love your five five truths. That's phenomenal. I mean, I think they hit all the things that really make up all the other, all the cover stories that I've ever read in rough notes. I know that people probably have at least three or four of those truths that are on display in the article. And then if I've gotten to know them, man, I don't know if I could add to that other than just reiterating that this is such a, it's such a relationship driven mm. business. If you care for the people mm. first, everything else is mm. going to fall into place. I think I see enough people get that wrong where they're just, for whatever reason, they're not taking the time to look up from their busy work, right? Work work on your business mm -hmm. instead of in it mm -hmm. all the time, which I think for a lot of, especially smaller agencies, but I mean, let's face it, everybody I think can fall into that trap of working in your business more than working on it. Mm -hmm. And I think if you look up, for me, having the podcast, it was something I didn't even talk about in the article. I have a, my own podcast called Agents Growth Academy, where I teach agents how to be the best that they can be and trying to figure out how to get them to, mm -hmm. to a better place. I just like serving people. And I have met, kind of like you said, I have met so many wonderful people through that podcast. I've met so many wonderful people just engaging on LinkedIn. To me, I just don't think that this industry would mean half as much as it means to me if it didn't have to do with developing genuine mm -hmm. relationships and not the kind where I'm just trying to get a higher following count. I don't care about that. I care about developing genuine relationships that I'm going to have for the rest of my life. And, and that's what I saw my dad do. That's how he built the agency, yes, it was in planning, but it was also in treating, you know, the the contractor who came to the house the same as he would treat the executive of a national carrier, and and watching him take that much care in the relationships that he's building with every single person around him, no matter their lot in life, that's really admirable, and I think that transcends anything that we're doing here in our own agencies. Well, 
You know, um, I really do love that. And I think there's so much to be said there. Gosh, if you if you heard it, if you're a veteran agent, and you're trying to attract that talent. That's the story you got to tell. Add those five truths together. Tell yeah. the person that you really get paid to make friends. You really get paid to make yeah. friends. And when you think about that, come on, man, what other industry is doing that? You yeah. know, <laughs> and it's the beauty of it. So, Jim, yeah. thank you yeah, very much. Absolutely. Congratulations to you and your agency. I hope you took thank your you, staff friend. out. And because you know as well as I, you won, which means it's all on them. When you lose, it's all on you. So uh, I, I really do appreciate right. you and your time. <laughs> I really do. I also would like to just take a second to thank Rough Notes uh, for doing this podcast. If you don't know Rough Notes, you can go to Rough Notes there in Indiana and you can actually tour their facility. I've done it. It's actually pretty amazing. I've done it before I'd actually started and had the thought of doing this podcast for them. And the reason why it's amazing is if you realize that if you like history, you'll find out for the last 70, 80, 100 years almost that Rough Notes has been leading and pioneering a lot of things in the industry that we take for granted for. I won't go on them right now, but I just want to take a time and I just want to say thank you, Rough Notes, because this podcast is once again an extension of that. Now, I would say that, yes, there's probably been other articles or, you know, probably other magazines that have thought about this. But the way that they're approaching it, the way that they're trying to look at it, I don't want to be the host forever. I'd like to do this for four or five and I'd like to give it up, give it up to other podcasters who so that they can then take their own way and put their spin on it. Because this is an industry podcast. This isn't Jason Cass's podcast. And I hate to tell rough notes. It's not their podcast either. They just happen to be one that has their name on it. And yes, we do talk about the front cover, but it's once again an area where rough notes is leading where Rough Notes is saying, we have a different listener. Just like Jim says, how can I serve more people? That's what Rough Notes is doing. How can we serve those people that love looking through our magazine and maybe they skim through it, but there's people that get their news and they get their information completely different way. And once again, thank you Rough Notes for looking out and looking through the future. I encourage all publications to do this because just like I started my podcast back in 2013, I wanted to give, I decided that to make forward change and momentum in the greatest industry God ever created, we had to give a voice to those who have no voice. Front Cover has been doing that. In Rough Notes has been doing that with Front Cover since the 80s, probably even the 70s, to be honest with you. They have been giving agencies the voice that have been helping other agencies. And this podcast is just the new medium in which we do that in. Thank you for your vision, Rough Notes. Thank you very much, Jim, for you taking your time and congratulations once again to you and your group out there. To all you Rough Notes listeners, thank you very much for your time and I'll see you next time.